The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Hey, before we dive in, how are you guys feeling? Are you guys, like, spent? Are you guys, like, I'm just, like, feel crushed right now. Like, I could use a nap. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to try to mow through this pretty quick. But I really want to give you guys a chance to, to ask some questions at the end. Um, so feel free, if you guys have questions throughout, write them down, and we'll talk about it. But my goal is to do 25, 30 minutes, get through some of this stuff, and then... Then we'll kind of get into it. Um, before we get started, uh, this is me and this is my wife. We're on South Campus Outreach, Minneapolis. We work with students at Northwestern. Got some Northwestern crew here. My gosh, nice. Uh, but uh, Nikki and I have been married for almost six years. Uh, and like I said, before I dive into discipleship, my life was completely transformed in college because of discipleship. Uh, there was a guy named Andrew Knight. He, he led me to Christ at Northwestern and discipled me. And throughout, as I share today, you guys are going to hear stories about Andrew. But that's what has transformed my life. That's why I'm on staff. And what I want to try to do today is two things. I want you guys to understand what is discipleship and then try to understand the process. So that's kind of where we're going those are kind of the, the big ideas I want you guys to get. What in the world really is discipleship? And how do we do this thing? Like, how do we make this thing happen? And my hope is that as we define discipleship, as we walk through the process, that you guys could leave here thinking, I could do this. Like, I could make this happen. Maybe I don't know all the diagrams, charts, verses to go, but I can enter into this process, and we could just see what happens. So... Let me pray, and then, then we'll jump in. God, I'm thankful for just the time that we can come together and have something like this, where we get days upon days where we get to think about you, meditate on things about you, open your word, and think about all these realities. And God, I pray that even now you'd meet us. God, I know it's the afternoon. I know that we've been seminar after seminar after seminar, but God, would you help sustain us for 25 more minutes um, that we could see more of you, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so you guys are going to need to help me a little bit. Uh, like, when you think about the idea of discipleship, what are some, like, words that come to mind? Mentor. A mentor? Okay. What else? Leadership. What else? Teaching. Teaching. Friendship. Friendship. What else? Time. Time. Good. Commitment. Commitment. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. Good. Yeah, I think these are all words that we think about. Uh, when we think about the idea of discipleship, what I want to do is I want to flip to four passages of Scripture, and I want to just quickly like draw from these four passages, like what are some ideas or language from these verses that help us define this idea of discipleship? And man, as I was even working through this, uh, I at first was like, dude, I'm going to just crush this thing. Like discipleship, this is my job. Like if I can't give the discipleship talk, like what am I even doing? And as I began to think about it, as I began to read more books about it, um, the, the definition of discipleship, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions to define discipleship. And part of that is because the word discipleship actually isn't in the Bible. That might shock you as it shocked me. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to pull out the discipleship verses and we'll just dive right in. There isn't one, okay? 
There isn't a disciple. There, you won't see discipleship in the New Testament. But what you do see over 261 times is the word disciple or disciples. So the idea of discipleship is definitely in the Bible. And actually, the closest thing we have to discipleship in the Bible is from the Greek word mateo, which is make disciples. So translated into English, it's make disciples. But even that word only shows up a few times. So there's actually some layers of complexity when we define this whole discipleship process. So I hope to broaden out your definition of what discipleship is, make it pretty clear, and then we'll dive into how do we do this thing. A couple quick resources before we get going too far. Uh, Down to Earth Discipleship by Scott Morton. He's a sweet dude from the Navigators. We stole a lot of his stuff and the Navigators in general. But great book on how to disciple. If you're looking for another resource, got a lot of things from there. Fuel in the Flame by Steve Shadrach. Uh, very easy to read. A lot of illustrations. Great book on discipleship. So if you guys need more resources, these are great. The third one's a book called Saturate. It has like a trippy cover. You can kind of get... It's pretty weird, but... Uh, <laughs> anyways, this guy, he pastors what once was Mars Hill. Now I forget what it's called. But he has a lot of good stuff on discipleship. More in a broader context of the church, but still a good book. But... Highly recommend these three resources to you. Unfortunately, they're not at the bookstore. What you guys saturate. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, you guys can come up and look at them. Like I said, order them on Amazon. They're not at the bookstore place, but but those are just some helpful resources. So uh, grab your Bibles, and uh, we're gonna go to four different places. Or if you just want to look at the screen, whatever's easiest for you guys. We're gonna start with a pretty common one. We're gonna start with the Great Commission. Someone want to read the Great Commission for me? <clears throat> Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the ages. Okay, I don't want to steer Eric's thunder. You know, he's getting into the Great Commission here. But this, we see the word, that Greek word I tried to tell us as you came to see it in verse 19. Make disciples. That's where we get the idea of discipleship. That's one of the times. But if we were to look at this passage, the Great Commission, what are elements that make up discipleship? So, like, real quick, what are some observations from this text that help us understand what is discipleship? Baptizing. Baptizing, yeah. That's part of it. What else? Teaching. Teaching. Good. What else? Yeah, there's go, right? Anything else? I'm I'm not looking for like specific stuff. You guys you guys actually hit pretty much everything I'm saying. But we get multiple things. We get baptizing, we get teaching, we get an action with go, we get a promise at the end that I'm gonna be with you. Uh so this is just one of the places again where we can start to build this definition of discipleship. Someone wanna read this passage? Matthew 4.19. Come on, someone can do this one. Good. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What do we learn from this passage about discipleship? Good, yeah. It's pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. There's following to what? Make more followers, right? Fishers of men, which we could spend a lot of time unpacking what does it mean to be fishers of men. 
Uh, we're not going to do that, but I want you guys to see that there's following to make followers. That's part of it as well. Um, I think I have the quote on here. A guy by, his name's Marshall Siegel. He, uh, he's written a couple books. He's actually coming out with a book on dating here. He already wrote it, but I don't think it's being published or coming out until later in the year. But Marshall's the, the assistant for Pastor John Piper. He wrote this on just some of the ideas of discipleship. He said, the reality, though, is that we've always been involved in disciple-making, even from birth. Not always disciple-making for Jesus. You are a disciple. The question is, who are you following? You have disciples. The question is, how are you influencing the people watching you? So, just again with the idea of the Matthew passage that following to make disciples, the reality is like, we are discipling. The question is, what are we discipling people to? We are following. The question is, what are we following? And uh, so these are just ideas to think about, but maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your sports team. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's status or success, but the reality is we're all following something and we all have followers on some level. And Marshall kind of draws that out. All right, so next passage. This is a common CO bread and butter. Someone, someone read 2 Timothy 2 2. What you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men will be with each other's also. Okay, good. What do we learn from this passage on discipleship? Good. Yeah, so there's this idea of generation upon generation multiplying, right? We see that it's, it's continuing. That's great. You nailed it. All right, last one. Someone read Mark 3.14. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Good. So what's the idea here when we think about discipleship? With Jesus to be sent out. Good. What else? They're appointed. They're appointed. Good. If they're with Jesus too, what does that imply? I'm not trying to trick you guys. They're around all the time. Good. Yeah. There's proximity. There's a relationship there, right? There's a relational piece in discipleship. So what I want to do is I kind of want to combine all this. John Piper has a quote on what discipleship is, and then I'm going to make it really simple. So we just looked at four passages to kind of help us build a biblical definition for discipleship. But John Piper says this, and this is a pretty broad definition. This is where I think discipleship is a little bit more complicated than we initially thought. He says, Every Christian should be helping unbelievers become believers by showing them Christ. That is making a disciple. Every Christian should be helping other believers grow more and more to maturity, that is making a disciple. And every Christian should be seeking to get help for themselves and from others to keep on growing. And this is also discipleship. Every church should think through how all these kinds of biblical disciple-making find expression in their corporate life. So we see that John Piper kind of walks through this idea that discipleship is pretty broad. Like, it includes evangelism, and it includes a whole bunch of things in between, which we're going to talk about in the process. But I want to really simplify what discipleship is. So that definition, I want you you to write it down or try to repeat it to someone else. Not super sticky. Um, But this is how I want to define discipleship. Discipleship is intentionally moving people towards Christ 
to help them make disciples. I just want to boil it down to this. It's, it's moving people towards Christ to help them make disciples. I think a lot of people, when they think about the idea of discipleship, they think about it as part two in the process. Like, you come to faith, and then you move into this discipleship phase, which is like growing and maturing in Christ. And I just want to say it's not that. It's moving people towards Christ, and it starts at square one. It starts with people who don't even know Christ. And then it moves all the way to helping them do the same for other people. And we're going to get there with the process. Um, so here's the process. How do I do it? And, and before we get to how you do it, there's just a couple things like these are going to sound like duh things. But if we don't have these foundational things, this whole discipleship thing won't work. The first one, what I mean is, are you a Christian? Again, sounds like a duh thing, but... If you're not trusting in Christ, it's going to be pretty hard to lead other people towards Christ, right? If our definition is to move people towards Christ so that they can disciple other people, and you're not trusting in Christ, it's going to be pretty hard for them to follow Christ if you're not following Christ, if that makes sense. The second one would be, are you meeting with God and pursuing Him? Like, are you walking with God? Because I think if you're walking with God, you're really going to have something to pour out to other people that you're investing in. And then the third thing, again, this might seem really like foundational or duh, but, but are you being discipled? Are you currently being discipled? Do you have someone in your life? Do you have a, a man or woman uh, in your life or from your church, from Campus Outreach, uh, that's discipling you in the process? And this is really important because, honestly, the whole discipleship process is something that we talk about as a ministry, like, is caught, not taught. So I'm teaching a seminar on how to walk through this process of discipleship, but it, I'm going to walk you through like a linear process on how to do this thing. But the best way to learn how to do this thing is to be discipled and to just get out there and try to do it. Like I'm going to walk you through this linear process, which I'm going to get into. It's not as clean as my chart will be. But the reality is if you're currently being discipled, it's going to be the best training grounds for you to disciple other people. And the reality is none of us will ever arrive. So I want all of us to continue to be discipled. Just because I've been on staff now, going on six or seven years, something like that, uh, I don't have this thing figured out. Like, I still meet regularly with Paul. And we're walking through stuff. He's thinking and developing me. Like, we're talking through all sorts of different things. This isn't something that we just finally graduate to and we're ready to do. It's always should be a part of our life. Like, we should have someone discipling, investing in us, and we should be doing the same for other people. And we see this in the Bible. <clears throat> so that's just before you disciple. The next question is, who do we even disciple? Like, who are we looking to disciple? Like, how do we even start this process? Like, where do I go to even think about who I'm going to start discipling? And the answer, again, might be very simple, but who are the people around you? Start with the people around you. Start with the circles and where you're already investing and spending your time. Maybe that would be people on your hall. Maybe it'd be people on your sports team. Maybe that would be people in band or choir or music or drama. Maybe that would be people that are in your major classes. Maybe it's a sorority or fraternity, but God already has each one of you that are investing your time in a specific place at your school. And I'm not saying like, go, like here's what you have to do. Like you have to go bury your head and you have to find this type of person. Just start with who's around you. Like, who are the people around you that you already spend time with? And start there. That's going to be a really natural circle to start with. 
and, and build those, those friendships. And with the who are we discipling, you want to start with a big net. And what I mean by that is like you want to have a lot of relationships that you can start with as you think about the discipleship process, which hopefully will, will get more, make more sense as we walk through what is this process. So I want to walk through this process. We call this uh, the four E's. Maybe you guys have heard this before. So this chart looks kind of funny. Basically, another church has four E's, but their first and last E is not what we use. So I just kind of pasted over them. But yeah, I like the picture. So like I wanted you guys to see this. But So we start with evangelizing. We move to establishing. We go to equipping. And then we want to export. And this is the process of discipleship. And again, like I just want to highlight within the discipleship process, is evangelism. It's bringing someone to Christ and then moving them down this line. Now, again, I already said this, but this line rarely looks like this line. And what I mean is it's a messy process. Like we like to say like freshman year, we evangelize someone. Sophomore year, we're establishing them. Junior year, we're going to equip them. And senior year, we're going to send them out. And that's just how we do it. But it never works like that. It's like always we're like moving between establishing, equipping, and Hopefully we just can get to a point where you can send you out. But it's never quite as linear and clean as this diagram looks like. But I just want to give you guys a grid or a framework to understand this process. Because I think if you guys can better understand this process, you guys are going to feel more confident in your ability to do it. So even in this little bit of time we walk through this process, it's not going to like quite do it. Like You guys are going to need to just practice. But here's what I mean. So, so let's just start with evangelize. Okay? So how do we evangelize? What does this even mean? The goal of evangelizing is getting someone to trust in Christ. And if I were to like walk you through how to even start this process, this process starts by building a relationship. Having some sort of friendship that you can move towards being intentional. And then after you have a friendship, I think it moves towards inviting those people around your friend group or inviting people into your Bible study or inviting people around Maybe it's CL or whatever you're involved with in college. And then I would say, after you have a relationship, after you're bringing them around and you're getting to know their friends, like I would ask, can I study the Bible with you? The Bible is one of the best tools we have for evangelism. Like the Bible testifies about itself to who God is. Like it's right there. Like you don't even have to like try to, like if you open up the gospel, it's like testifying to who Jesus is. Like take advantage of what we have with the Bible. So this chart, it has... It talks about the Gospels, uh, evangelistic Bible studies is EBS, uh, POD is, is point of decision. Like you want to get them to a point of decision where they can trust in Christ. And again, this is the first step in discipleship, is getting them to trust in Christ. Then, second step is you want to establish them. So when you think about the idea of establishing someone, <clears throat> Basically, you want to teach them to be able to walk with God. You want them to become a self-feeder, like that they can walk with God, grow in their relationship with God. And if you were pulled out of the equation, they would be doing fine. Like they could walk with God. They'd be self-sustaining. And uh, a verse I like to think about is in Psalm 1. For, I mean, Psalm 1 is awesome, but verses 2 and 3 specifically, it says, His delight is on the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. 
I love the idea. Like when we think about establishing, we want their roots to go deep. Like we want their tree to be go deep. Like I love this idea that a tree planted by streams of water. That's what we want when we think about this idea of discipleship. And this is also where I said this earlier, but we get the motto, stuff is better caught than taught. Like in the establishing process, what Andrew did with me is he walked me through specific things within Christianity and he did them with me. So this is called uh, the wheel diagram. We stole this from the navigators, but basically just walks through components of the Christian life. Like Jesus Christ is at the center, at the hub, and our vertical components with God is the word and prayer. In our horizontal relationships, our fellowship and evangelism, okay? And so what Andrew did is literally with me, like we opened up the Bible and we read the Bible together. And we spent time praying together. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to study the Bible. And when we were hanging out, like he was sharing his faith. And he taught me what Christian community was like. And I just did those things with him. And it was, it was actually really weird. Like right away, I just thought like, I don't know, this is weird. I mean, I was just probably arrogant or I don't know. But I was like, man, this guy just likes spending time with me. And he's a cool dude. And he's buying me meals and working out with me. Like this guy's awesome, you know. I didn't realize that this is what he was doing, but he was being intentional with his life, sharing all these things with me, and it really taught me how to do these things. It wasn't like, hey man, sit there, and I'm going to teach you about the Bible. It was like, he was doing it with me. He wasn't like, hey man, I'm going to teach you about prayer. It's like, hey, let's pray together. Like, he was just coming alongside me and doing these things with me. And, and the wheel is really just, just a, a simple way to think through categories of the Christian life that as you think about the establishing phase, these are things that you want to help them grow in. Um, there, there can be more things within that, but if I were to just think like basics within Christianity, I want someone to grow in, I'd maybe start with the wheel or something like that just to give you some categories. Then you want to move to equipping them. And uh, when you think about the equipping phase, the goal is to make them a disciple maker. In, in order to do this in the equipping phase, you want to help them in ministry. Another way to think about it is, how many of you guys played t-ball growing up? Okay, so what you're doing in the equipping phase is you're setting the ball in the tee and you're letting them take a swing at it, okay? Now I say take a swing at it because if, if you guys know in t-ball or you played t-ball, I mean now you're like, dude, I hit home runs all the time, but I have a little nephew, he's like three, and he swings, and sometimes he hits the tee, doesn't he hit the ball. Sometimes he misses the ball, but he's swinging. And what, what you're doing in the equipping phase is you're putting the ball on the tee and you're letting him swing. Here's what I mean. Andrew, in my life, we'd be sitting down to eat in the cafeteria, some of my football friends, and he'd say, he'd say hey, Reed, you should, show, you should show Micah that diagram that we talked about the other day. Like, you have a really cool diagram. Like, share it with Micah. And he was talking about the bridge diagram, right? So he's like throwing me under the bus. And now I have to share this diagram with Micah. He's on the football team. And he did this over and over and over again. Uh, or then he'd, uh, he'd be leading a Bible study with me. And he's like, man, you guys got to hear Reed's story. Like, Reed's got a really cool story. Like, Reed, why don't you just tell him? And it, I was like, we didn't talk about this. What's going on? And he would just tee me up, okay? Tee me up, throw me under the bus, however you want to view it. But that's what he did. And then he gave me opportunities and set me up to do these things. And it wasn't just 
with evangelism. It wasn't just with studying the Bible. It wasn't just with sharing my faith. But then he began to develop me even more. Like, hey, Reed, I want you to lead a spring break trip. I know you're a student. I want you to lead a spring break trip. These are the things I want you to do. And, and he was thinking to develop me. And that's the idea with equipping. You want to set the ball on the team. You just want to let them swing. And also with the idea of equipping, just know, and I, I touched on this with the swinging thing, but the reality is taking swings means you'll probably fail at points. So when you put the ball on the tee for him, you don't expect a home run. You don't expect a home run, but you want him to swing. You want him to take a swing. And then you can come back alongside them and help evaluate. Like, hey, man, how do you think that went? Like, dude, I set you up to share the bridge. Like, let's talk about how that went. And, and you can come alongside them and help them in the process but you're letting them step out in faith and try to do these things. And man, that, there's nothing that'll develop people more than giving them opportunities to do it. So that's equipping. Then, then we want to export them. So we want to send them out. So we want to be sending them out so that they can be laborers. Does anyone know, what is Campus Outreach Vision Statement? Someone knows it out there. What was it? Yeah. Glorifying God by building labors on the campus for the lost world. Like, we want labor. So, in the exporting phase, we want to take a disciple maker and make him a reproducer or a laborer. We want him to be able to do the same thing that you are doing. When you get to the exporting phase, you're really starting to look at their gifts, their wiring, how God's made them, and how can you send them out. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to come on staff. But we would love if some of you guys come on staff. But we want to send you guys out, whether it's engineering, whether it's teaching, whether it's business, that, that you guys could do this. And wherever God's called you, wherever God's equipped you to do this same thing. And yet, we want to teach you guys in college. You guys can even start this process in college. Like, you guys can start this process today. So I want to give you guys a few reminders uh, before we enter into this process, and then I want to open it up for questions. So three quick reminders in the process. I don't have slides for these, but number one is Jesus is the point. Jesus is the point. So when we think about discipleship, when we think about this process, Jesus is the point. You are not the point. You are not the point of this thing, and you never will be. Grab a Bible and uh, turn to John 3. This is one of my favorite passages when it comes to this idea of discipleship, when it comes to the idea of ministry. I regularly have to be reminded of this passage. This is one of my go-tos. And it's actually awesome. Joe Rigney, he touched on it this morning for the staff. But uh, chapter 3 of John, 25, I'll just read 25 through 27. It says this. He says, Now discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Listen to this response. This is crazy. Verse 27. And John answered, A person cannot receive one thing unless it's been given to him from heaven. That's crazy. So just here's what's happening here. John the Baptist has been leading all these guys. Like he has followers. He has disciples that are following him. All of a sudden, Jesus enters the picture, starts doing ministry. All the people start leaving John and going to Jesus. 
John discipled Jesus. Now everyone's going to Jesus. And his disciples are like, yo, John, what's going on here? Everybody's going to Jesus. Okay? So you get the scene. You get the picture. And, and John understands this. He says, this is exactly how it should be. You can't receive one thing unless it's been given to you from heaven. And then he goes on to say some other stuff. This passage is awesome. But the idea is, you are not the point Jesus is. Like, we're not trying to build disciples of Reed or Micah or Aaron or Elisa. Like, we want disciples of Jesus. We're trying to push people towards Jesus, and we need to be reminded of that. Like, we're not the point. We're not the end Jesus is. Another passage that's great is 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9. through 9. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it is God that gives growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Again, we're not the point. God is. God's the one who's doing this thing. We're just taking a front row seat and watching him work. So that's the first reminder. Jesus is the point. You're not. Number two, you are not Jesus. You're not Jesus. Again, might seem like a duh type statement. But Jesus did this better than you. In fact, Jesus did this perfectly. He had perfect conversations, perfect one-on-ones. Think about this. Like, when Jesus was spending time with someone, he knew what they were thinking before they said it. Like, how sweet of an advantage is that? Like, he knows what's going on in their heart before they even say it. And Jesus did it perfectly. And Jesus led 12. Don't lead 12. It's not going to work well, I promise. Um, and the idea here at this point is you will fail in your discipleship, and that's part of it. Like, part of discipling people is you're going to let them down you're going to fail. You're not Jesus. And the point, again, is to push them towards Jesus. And actually, the moments in your discipleship where you have weakness is essential in discipleship because it's going to show them that you depend and trust on Jesus. We're not trying to create people who think they're perfect. We're trying to create people who know they're not and can depend more and more on Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. And man, even this semester... I feel like this happened to me. Guys I, guys I was discipling, uh, like a month and a half ago, uh, my wife and I, we found out that we had a miscarriage. And it was, we were just trying to have a baby, and it's, this is our first time. And it was the day of it, and I was supposed to spend time that afternoon with two of the guys I'm discipling. And I called them up, and I was like, hey, separately, I'm like, hey, come over to my house. They're what are you talking about? We're not hanging out. I'm just come over to my house. They both came. I don't know how it worked, but... They get there, and literally, all it was, they, they both showed up, and they're like, what's going on? They read, like, double book? Like, like we were supposed to hang out, but not at the same time, and they both show up, and, and just in tears, I tell them, like, man, this is just what's happened in my life. Like, Nikki and I just found out we had a miscarriage, and I'm just bawling, and they're, like, caught off guard. They're like, what the heck's going on? Like, what do we do? And, man, they both came around me and just started praying for me. And I think it was one of the most powerful moments this semester in my discipleship because it revealed that I don't have it all together, that, um, that I'm weak. And even in that moment, it felt like I'm letting these guys down because I can't be there for them. I can't be strong. But yet, it was a good thing for me to be weak. It was a good thing for me to model that, for them to see that. And both of them referenced it later on in the semester. Like, man, that was powerful that for us to even see that type of emotion for that to see how you walk through one of the hardest things in your life and so 
again, you're not Jesus and you're not going to do it perfectly. In fact, you're going to fail. And failure is essential in discipleship. And then finally, number three, just a reminder, Jesus will make it better. Or another way to say this, Jesus is the solution. And this isn't like putting a band-aid on the problem, like Jesus is going to make it better. But, but in Christianity, we have a great hope that one day, Jesus is going to wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. Jesus is our hope. So in the times when it is hard, in the times when you're discouraged, um, Jesus will make it better at some point, either in this life or when he returns. He will make it better. And, and that's the hope we have in this process. Um, if you want a passage, I, I mean, I kind of quoted it loosely, but Revelation 21.4, that, that's the idea that, that one day there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering, no more tears, and Jesus will make it better. And again, hopefully you're seeing a theme with these reminders, but this whole thing's about Jesus, okay? It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. So in closing, I want you guys to hear this. All of you guys can do this thing. I promise you. All of you can do it. And some of you are in this room might be like, dude, but I don't really know. I don't even really know where to start. All of you in this room have a story of what God's done in your life, and you can start to share that with someone else. I'm assuming all of you in this room have a Bible, and you can start opening with someone else. All of you guys can start this process. And honestly, this is why I love my job. Like what discipleship is, is you get a front row seat to watching what God does. And it's awesome. My, my first day with Nikki, I was given courtside tickets to the Timberwolves. They were terrible. They were so bad. No one even wanted to go. So my friend was working for him. He got me courtside seats. But it was an amazing experience because being down courtside and seeing these like seven foot guys like just jump through the ceiling and dunk on each other was like one of the coolest experiences ever. And this is what discipleship is. Like you get a front row seat to watching God move and work and you get to be a small piece in that process. Uh, John says it this way. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And for you to get a part of that is so much fun. Like it's so rewarding to get to be a part of watching someone come to faith, helping them grow into maturity and then send them out. And that's what discipleship is. And I promise you that all of you guys can do it. All of you guys can do it. And so as we close, these are just some questions that you guys can just want to tee you guys up for thinking through some of these things uh, later in the day. But, but one, who are you following? Who are you following or, or who's discipling you? Who are you following or who's discipling you? And I would just encourage you, if you're in this room and you, and you wouldn't, don't have like a clear answer to that question, I would say meet with staff on your campus. This is what we do full-time. This is what we do full-time, and we would love to, to make this happen. And I'm not guaranteeing that the staff on your campus would be able to disciple you personally, but we would love to see this process happen, and we probably have resources and people we can connect you with that can help this process start going. And then number two, who's around you that you could bring, uh, that you could begin this process with? Who are people around you that you could just start, that you could start initiating, building a friendship, opening up your Bible, sharing your testimony, who's someone you could start it with. And maybe it's someone at this conference. Maybe it's someone you brought. Maybe it's someone in your room. Maybe it's someone you're sitting next to you right now. But who is someone that you could start this process with? And like I said, 
like buckle up because you're in for a treat and it's not all easy and it's not all like man just sitting and watching people dunk on each other like the court side deal it's hard I promise like when you enter into relationships it's hard like when you open up your life to someone it's hard you're gonna see pain you're gonna see brokenness you're gonna I promise you like as you get to know someone and in any relationship you're gonna see it's messy and I can tell you because I know my own life my own life's messy and the same is true for you guys. And so when you enter into that so to someone, there are going to be bumps along the way. But I promise you there's a lot of joy to be had. And you guys can do it. Let me pray. God, I pray that you'd help us in this process. God, I know that I remember sitting on the couch and Andrew started explaining what in the world he was doing with me. And my mind was just blown. I was like, oh my gosh, Like he's been intentional this whole time with me been sharing his life with me because he wants me to do the same thing. And God, I can't imagine what it'd look like if people in this room thought, who could I disciple? Who can disciple me and, and who are others that I could start this process with? And I can't imagine what they could see and witness and watch how you work, how you move. God, would we be like John the Baptist who's a pointer to you? That more people could know you and know you better. And would we, would our joy increase as we get to see this process happen, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. But I just wanted to end end now so that uh, so that we could have a, a few minutes if you guys have questions. Because like I said, I walked you guys through the linear process of discipleship through the four E's. But, but it's a little bit more confusing than that. And it's easy to talk about the four E's, but every circumstance and situation is different. But do you guys have any questions about the process, about what it is, how to do it? Yeah. So you talked about developing a friendship in, in with uh, like maybe someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Um, what what do you say? Like how do you how do you prompt you know them thinking about him or like how do you approach telling them the gospel? Sure. So after you're saying after you have a relationship with yeah. someone, how do you get that like first step of like starting moving towards spiritual things maybe yeah or like just like what what like what do you say i mean like how how do you approach the gospel sure maybe if they like they don't know much about it yeah i mean i think like knowing your situation knowing you go to northwestern i think one of the easiest tools we got to take advantage of is the bible like just saying hey man like i'd love to sit down and study the bible with you would you take four weeks and we could study through the gospel of john and man, I think that's the easiest thing we have because honestly, every one of you in this room, I mean, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming you guys know how to read. So all you have to do is open this thing up, turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just start reading it. And you're going to be surprised by what God does when you just open up the Bible to someone. And like I said, at Northwestern, that's not even a weird thing. Like even the hardest hearted guy at Northwestern would probably say yes to you asking them to study the Bible with you. Um, they might say no, but I think everyone I've asked has said yes because Christianity on some levels is assumed at Northwestern. It's a small Christian school. Uh, so, man, I would just say, like, let the Bible be your tool to start that process, and that's probably the really easy way. That's a great question, though. Yeah? Um, is there ever... Yeah, that's a really good question. 
One of the things <clears throat> I didn't hit on and I intentionally left it out is anytime I disciple someone, I go over my expectations for me and my expectations of them, and then we commit to something. So I walk through an acronym with the guys I lead called BASIC, and I'll, I'll walk through it in a second. But the reason I didn't share it is, is that can become kind of weird, like if you're not on staff with a college ministry. Uh, and maybe, maybe it wouldn't. Like maybe you should walk through some expectations, but for you to sit down with Joe Freshman and say, hey, dude, I just want you to know, here's the contract, bro, sign it. That might feel a little bit weird and intense, and maybe you would get to that point, but this is my job and this is what I do. And especially at Northwestern, like there's a lot of guys that want to be discipled. And so I want to have a high bar to start. But I walk through an acronym called BASIC, and the B is for Bible. Like, we're going to be committing to the Bible. Like, we're going to be studying the Bible a lot. A lot of our time together, we're going to be in the Bible. Then A is authenticity. Like, we're going to be vulnerable and real with each other. Like, if we're not being real and vulnerable with each other, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And then the S is selection of CO as a ministry. I say, man, there's a lot of ministries at Northwestern. A lot of things you could be doing to invest in your relationship with God. And I'm asking you that, that Campus Outreach would be number one. Because it's going to require a lot of your time. There's a lot of things I'm going to ask of you. Because I want to be around you. I want you to be in my life. I is intentional ministry. Like, man, I want to help you grow in your ability to step out in faith and do ministry. My expectation isn't that you're already doing intentional ministry. But I want to help you learn how to do it. So that's the I. And then the C is church. Like, man, my expectation is that you're committed to a church. And I would love if you come to my church and come with me. Because we're going to get more teaching, more overlap more of my life. We're going to be hearing this together. And so I walked through that and then I walked through expectations and boundaries. What will this thing look like? How much time are we going to spend together? But again, I would say you guys should be careful in how you do that. Like I said, it's pretty normal for me being on staff to have a conversation like that. But if you were just to walk up to Sally Freshman and say, hey, this is what I require. And maybe you, maybe you should do that. But I would just say you might need to use a little discernment because the reality is even for me, and I've been on staff for a while, I'm only a few years older than the guys I'm leading. And you guys are only a couple years older maybe than, or maybe even the same age as the people you're going to start this process with. And the reality is it's more like you're just brother to brother or sister to sister in this process. So be careful to think that you're like on your high and mighty horse when you ask someone about entering into a discipleship type relationship or what that looked like. So I would just say be cautious with how you think about that. But, but I do usually walk through something. So... Maybe that just confused you more, but... No, I think that's helpful. I guess I'm, I guess I'm like wondering, like, is there ever a point where you start cycling someone and you just, like, cut it out? Sure. Like, yeah. Like, especially, <clears throat> I think, like, if someone, they just kind of, like, not get into the point that yeah. Yeah, so I actually forgot the original question, so thanks for reminding me, because I meant to tie, close that loop a little bit. But the reason I have expectations and the reason I walk through some of my expectations and basic idea is that what I'll do is I'll evaluate with my guys where they're at with this thing. And if there are things I'm seeing, like, like man, this guy's not super available, and this guy, we haven't been studying the Word, and this guy, you know, isn't being very authentic with me, I'm just going to say, hey, man, these are the things we committed to it seems like this might be something that you don't want. So I, what I usually do in that case, and this has happened before, is is I walk through those commitments, and they usually get to a place where they would say, 
like, hey, I think you're right, and I don't know if I should be a part of that. Like, I don't usually, like, kick them out, but they usually kind of select themselves out because they realize, like, hey, this is what Reed wants to do, and this isn't where I'm going. But that that conversation is done with a lot of grace. There's already a foundation of a relationship, and we're usually following up some commitments that we've made. And so it's not like that's a common conversation that I have very often, but but we do evaluate, like, where are we at with some of these things, and what does that look like, if that makes sense. That was the whole reason I started there. So thanks for reminding me. That's a great question, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's not like we just want to start with evangelism. So, man, we want to see where everyone's at. So I tell the guys I'm leading, like, we never want to assume the gospel. Like, man, the gospel is assumed at the schools I'm on with the Northwestern and Bethel students. And we never want to assume the gospel. So if it's like, man, this dude's trusting in Christ, then we move towards the establishing stuff. So then we're going to move towards. But the reality is, like, the starting place is still usually the Bible for me. So it's like, like, we still might be studying through a gospel, and I'm doing the same thing. But if they're trusting in Christ, uh, the focus on what we're studying might look a little bit different versus me hammering the gospel time after time after time. But we're still going to be heavy dose of the gospel, heavy dose of the Bible. So in some senses, yes, and in some senses, no, if that makes sense. But, but I'm going to jump to the establishing phase, and I'm going to help them grow in these different things. And I'm going to use a grid like the wheel and I'm going to think about man am I am I modeling some of the things and and again a lot of these things these are things that are already a part of my life and I'm inviting them into it you know what I'm saying like a lot of discipleship is your life and you're bringing people into it so I just invite guys into my life and I want to see them in a lot of context of my life and my wife's gracious enough that I have guys over all the time and she has girls over all the time and they're at our house and eating meals and watching movie like there I try to get them in almost every arena of my life so that they can we can walk through this stuff so that's a good question though any other questions these are great you guys ready to hit the nap button or what <laughs> no that's good if you guys have questions, though, I'd love to talk about this stuff. Like I said, I love doing this thing. Um, even after seven years, it's like there's nothing else I want to do. So, man, I'm passionate about this stuff. So if you guys have questions or want to know more or want to know more about these resources, feel free to come talk to me. Um, otherwise, you guys are free. Go take naps. Get ready for the New Year's party and the conference or the, the rally tonight. Everything's, like, starting to blur. I don't think you guys have anything till 730 officially, though, so... So you guys are free. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.